Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello and welcome to the latest Record Celtic podcast. My name is Daniel Conn. I'm delighted to be joined by Record Sports Michael Gannon and Fraser Wilson. Guys, how are you? Very well, thank you, Daniel. All good, chaps. All the more, all the better to see you guys and your happy, cheery faces. Absolutely, this is the highlight of the week. Certainly, yeah. <laughs> the <dirty> webcams. <laughs> I think the best place for us to start, guys, is maybe Fur Park. Obviously, it's a couple of days ago now, we're recording Tuesday, but, Mick, we need to touch on it as it was such a dramatic win for Celtic and it's such an emphatic nature as well. Yeah, I'm just I'm just so relieved that I wasn't working that game in a midweek on deadline. Um, it was at 10 o'clock on a Wednesday night. I think my hair had been on fire at the end of the game. I'm 87 minutes, looking for all intents and purposes of being a goalless draw, probably been just about justified. And then... Well, hell broke loose. Obviously, with the three minutes to go, they kind of Palmer's cross shot uh, effort curled into the corner. At that point, you think, well, it's done and dusted. Set up, done it again, late goal. But then Mull can kind of rip up the script and got the score, 95th minute. So you're back to kind of thinking it's going to be a, a draw, and you think Mull will probably deserve something for the game from what they put into it. But then Celtic being Celtic, they got the part and get one 97 minutes, and it's absolute bedlam. Um, I think Ben and Rogers after the game touched on it. So this is what Celtic does, and he like he's right. I mean, it's a club that's got a, a history of, of of late winners and uh, famous for it. It helps when you've got good players. That's how that's where it comes from. It's, it's good players and a good work ethic, and a never say die attitude. Put it all together, and it's it's going to happen more often than not. Um, but it turned out to be a, a huge victory. I mean, I can run them all three points eventually, I suppose. But the ramifications are, I mean. It, 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 86 minutes. I'm sure people are going into Ibrox for the Rangers giving us Aberdeen are thinking, oh, oh, points getting spilled here. 87 minutes. Well, it's not looking the case. Eight, 95 minutes. Then part of time, yeah, there's points getting spilled. A chance to close the gap. That goal, 97 minutes. It doesn't just have an impact for part on Celtic. It also has it sends kind of shockwaves across to, towards Govan. And all of a sudden, the opportunity to cut the gap has been slammed in, the, in their face. I think it puts a pressure on Rangers in that game, and we all saw what happened. They lose the game, and the manager ends up getting sacked. So it was one of those kind of seismic afternoons, really, when it, it could have swayed either way. It could have changed. I mean, the whole fate of the the, the day and the future could have, have changed. Sliding door moments, uh, as, as you might say. Um, so huge, yeah, absolutely huge. I mean, a goal that gets Celtic three points, which is nothing really, but it also. Sends a, a a chain reaction of events across the city. Mm-hmm. Because I that I mean that's a fair point, Fraser. Because when when it looks at like Celtic only draw as it did for long periods, and then especially in the ninety fifth minute, you're then looking at the the prospect. Imagine Rangers would win at Ibrooks, then it's down to two points. You know nothing in it almost. You you were working at Ibrooks at the weekend, and you were saying. There was a tangible reaction when the Motherwell goal went in. 
it's got to that stage of the afternoon where everyone's on their phone refreshing because you're right at nil nil. Rangers fans are thinking, oh, here we go, the gap. Here's a chance to cut the gap to two points from five to two or four to two uh, when we kick off against Aberdeen. So I, you can see everyone's on their phones, just refreshing, voting for the full-time whistle. We get the blow of Celtic scoring a late goal, deflated. Uh, but it was then, I think we're down in the gallows, uh, at Ibrox, and fans are all filtering in at stage because you're maybe half an hour for kick-off at Ibrox. And... Uh, Blair Spittle comes up with that that equaliser. What was it, 95th minute, was it? And then, I mean, the, the rumble wasn't quite a roar, but the rumbles that filtering through the, the support, waiting to go up the stairs into the Ibrox, eh, was palpable. And eh, he thought that, generally think that's it. And then it just reminded me of that Celtic win at St Johnston, probably roughly a similar time last season, when somehow they appear to have thrown away two points and immediately just respond to, to take all three. It was incredible. It's probably the the sign of, the sign of champions, I would say. And uh, there wasn't quite phones being thrown, but uh, amongst that Rangers support, I think then you could almost sense that it was uh, that kind of monumental gut blow that you just know this is not going to be their season. And then what transpired from there, nobody really would have guessed. Um, Four points become seven-point gap. Rangers have got no manager. They're right up against it. And all, to all intents and purposes, the Premiership title race almost looks over after seven games. Mm-hmm. And we might obviously touch upon the the stuff that's happened at Ibrox over the last few days, Mick, but to stick with Celtic for a moment, it was a great result. And, you know, particularly the ramifications that come with it. But it, it still wasn't a great performance. And it, like Celtic are seven points clear, and I don't, I think, don't think it's unfair to say they haven't really kicked the ball yet under Brendan Rodgers. They've not really got going. Yeah, I, I don't know what I say they haven't not kicked the ball, but I don't think they've hit top gear. Um, and again, there, there were some nice passes of play at, at far part, but not quite coming off. Um, I think there's still guys like Yang. He's still finding his feet. He got a run out in the, on the flank. He kind of struggled. I mean, he's he's mad keen. He demands a ball and he tries to take men on, but at the moment it's not quite coming off from. Um, it's he's not he's not there yet. He looks kind of raw. There's guys like Rio Tati who shown moments of quality, but he's still he's not quite at full fitness yet. Off his layout layout layoff, he's he's just building his fitness. He's not quite there. Um. Yeah, and we know there's still guys missing uh, defensively in terms of injuries. So Celtic are not kind of firing all cylinders as yet, um, but they're getting the job done. They're, they're getting results. They're digging it out. Um, and the thing is, that there's, there's a lot more to come from them. So, I mean, they're seven points clear. I wouldn't say not having kicked a ball. I, I, I say they're seven points clear, having not really clicked yet. Mm-hmm. Um, we've not seen... Lewis Palmer came off the bench and he got his goal. Looked a bit more lively. I, I thought he had struggled against Feyenoord uh, and he's he's appearing to Looked a bit sharper. Um, I think that that goal he scored. I mean, I know it's a bit of a fluke, right? But I think if you look at, I mean, you look at his you know YouTube clips and all that stuff. I think it's a ball he does like. And he has done it before, and it's one of those those crosses that you, you know it can go all the way into the corner. And then it doesn't take you whip it across, and it's it just needs a wee touch somewhere. Mate, you're a goalkeeper. Eh? That, that, 
you might say it's a fluke, right? But I mean, that is exact. Is it's got an inch perfect? That's exactly the kind of delivery you want from that because it just causes all sorts of doubts in defenders and goalkeepers' heads. That's what's happened. So I thought it was excellent. Know yourself, right? It's a nightmare, isn't it? Because you, you you throw yourself out to cut it out. You may if you don't catch it, you can pick it off your own defender and it's spin the back and hit the own goal. You can I mean you can believe yourself exposed. Don't get there. It's a horrible, horrible kind of ball, and it's and you see them sticking all the time. These kind of, these kind of goals. So a great score. I mean, the pace on it, whip pace. It's that's exactly what he's aiming for. He's aiming for that. He's aiming for that back post. If it goes in, bonus. If it's a wee touch, it's a goal anyway. So like, he's he showed signs of been a bit positive. We still need to wait and see. Uh, Paolo Bernardo wasn't in the bench the weekend, so he's still building fitness. We're not going to see him this week. I, I wouldn't imagine. Um, Nat Phillips get 30 minutes against Motherwell. Um, now he's going to have to last the full 90 against Lazio. I mean, he's only played 45 against Dundee. Uh, got slightly, came, came with a slight knock. Played against Dundee, got a wee knock in your ankle. Uh, missed out on in Holland. Played about half an hour from the bench at Far Park. Looked okay, but he's now going to be in against Lazio. So he's going to need to kind of dig in and, and get through this. Um, he's not played off a lot of football. I think he's, he's not played um, before Dundee, I think it was January, I think it was. So it's a big night for him this week against Lazio. But in, in general, Celtic, I think they're, they're getting by just now, but with the promise of more to come. Um, I think that's the kind of positive for, for Brendan Rodgers right now. I think he knows himself. They're not exactly setting the header on fire. But I think he also knows that, listen, there's better, there's better to come from his team. Um, and he's a seven points clear at this stage. What six wins and one draw, having a lot of injury problems and new faces settling in and all that stuff. He'll be, he'll be delighted where he is now because he knows that the, 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 the graph is only going in one, one direction, it seems. Mm-hmm. And see, just mentioned the goalkeepers. I thought it was only right to give a, a mention to Scott Bain, who came in at the weekend, obviously, with Joe Hart suspended. Thought he played really well, pulled off a couple of good saves when, when needed, when called upon. Um, I, I feel bad saying this. I, I, I thought Segrist was a, maybe a wee bit of an upgrade on Bain. That's what he is. <laughs> well, Brendan Rodgers obviously rates Bain, but... Well, I'm not Brendan Rodgers, but I know I think Benji Segrist is a better goalkeeper than Scott Bain, a safer pair of hands in the, in the basics of goalkeeping, the important parts of goalkeeping. He's better in every department. I mean, even when Scott Bain is at the top of his game, and I thought he did make some really good saves, to be fair to him, he still had that heart heart and mouth moment when you just knew big uh, Bevis McGabby was going to beat him to that ball a couple of yards out. Why he's not put his fist through it and tried to catch it, I'll never know. Celtic got away well in there. I think it was offside anyway. I think the decision was offside anyway. And he just has one of those, at least one of those in every game for me. Benji Segrist was a top goalkeeper at Dundee United. Joe Hart is clearly number one at Celtic, but I I don't understand why Benji Segrist isn't second choice. Whether something's going on behind the scenes, Mick probably know a lot more than me in this regards. But to me, Benji Segrist is a good bat ahead of Scott Bain in terms of goalkeeping. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. It's a strange thing, Mike, isn't it? 
I don't, I don't, I don't agree. I mean, I think Scott, I think Scott Bain is he's listening. He's an international goalkeeper. He's got cap for Scotland. He's uh, had periods when he's, he's done really well for Celtic and elsewhere. I think Did you know an invite in that international trip to to Mexico where he got his caps? Listen, <laughs> you get a pandemic for me. And a call up. Nah, I heard you got a call up first. Uh, uh, but carry the carry the jackets. Um, no, listen. I think I think he's. He's fine. I mean, I, I get the point. He'd be in every moment. But he's, listen, he's not played much. He's not getting many games um, in terms of... He's been all reserve leagues up the, up the Swanee and all that stuff. He's not getting an awful lot of football. Um, Seagrist, I don't know. I, I mean, there's, there's been a few whispers about he kind of behind the scenes and not quite uh, applying himself or maybe being quite a little, a little bit too comfortable in that kind of backup goalkeeper role. He got a game, he got a game out in Japan um, this season, I think, and he chucked one in. Didn't look that convincing. He's not as good as Bain with the ball at his feet. Tigris, he just isn't. Um, and I know that, that Rodgers, if you're a goalkeeper for Brendan Rodgers, you need to be able to use the ball, use your feet. Uh, and that's where Bain is a guy who's is, is, he's gone to a few times through the years, Brendan Rodgers. I mean, he played them, uh, obviously, the famously Ibrooks when, when Craig Gordon missed out and he, and he or tried um, De Vries missed out and he stayed, he stayed in the team the rest of that season, played in two cup finals and did really well. And also, it spells in the team the following season as well, so he's never really let Celtic down. Listen, I get it; he's not he's not as good as Joe Hart, but Joe Hart's. I mean, people slag off Joe Hart. I mean, seventy five caps for England. He's a great start to the season. All right, the goal in, in Feyenoord, I think the wall didn't help him. Um, it, it was his feet the quickest across. Maybe not. But he's in big saves this year and big in games that have been tight. Uh, you look at Ibrox, big performance, strong, dominant in the box, couple of big saves. Um, the game at Livingston, he gets red card. I thought he was a bit unlucky. I mean, the pitch is really done, man. The ball's bounced and it's just killed stone dead. Giving the striker a chance to kind of get through and pick it, put his foot through it and he's exposed. And I think the centre half's weren't too clever at that point either. So I, I wouldn't be I wouldn't be flogging him for that one. Um, so yeah, Scott, I mean, I think Scott is, is, is fine. I still think Celtic should have or should soon go and get himself a a quality keeper to compete. So I don't think I don't think Scott Bain and, and Seagrass are going to be competing for number one. Um, so they do need that's, that's an area that need to be looked at. I mean, Joe Hart is fine. I mean, he's thirty six, so and he's, he's got a contract in the season. You got to think they need to start looking now, uh, maybe January even. But um, in, in the short term, I don't think it's a, it's a big issue. I mean, I think Scott Bain is fine. He's, a, he's got the mentality to, to to cope with that role. You can cope with Ibrox uh, in your debut. You can cope with anything, can't you? And see, see, just to finish up on, on the game of the weekend, guys, uh, Matt O'Reilly obviously got the winning goal in dramatic fashion. There was news last week, or was it start last week, that he's, he's set to sign a new bumper contract? Saturday morning, signed it, yeah, signed it in the morning, scored in the afternoon. I mean, that is a brilliant bit of business for Celtic. And he's, he's always been a quality player, but he's slowly developing into maybe Celtic's most important player at the minute. Is that I fair? Think I think he's top class. That that Celtic midfield mixes him more than me. Might not be firing right now, but you won't get much better than McGregor, Hatati, O'Reilly. When those three are in top form, that is a top class midfield. Matt O'Reilly's legs, energy to get forward, both threat, presence, everything about him. I, th- I think it was a magnificent signing for the for the, the money they shelled out. And uh, I I think um, on the back of Hatati and other. New deals that have been handed out. Uh, I think that was just just another great piece of business by Celtic getting them tied down. And uh, 
maybe more to follow. I believe Cameron Carter Vickers, one of the, the next that they're, they're hoping to get tied down. Is that right, Mick? Greg Taylor as well, I think. Greg Taylor, yeah. Yeah, they're all on the list. They're on the list. It's a good bit of business, isn't it? Getting um, Hattati, excuse me, O'Reilly tied down. O'Reilly, I think, is an exciting one for Celtic. Um, I think it was mentioned at the weekend, and it's it's quite t- uh, fitting this week. When you mentioned um, Roger said it was a bit like Tom Rogic's last minute goals for, for Celtic at, at Motherwell. I think O'Reilly could be the the heir to the the Rogic throne at Celtic. Um, also, Rogic this week announced his retirement from football at, at thirty to concentrate on his, his, his family. Um, but you look at the ability that O'Reilly's got with his, the ball at his feet. Um, listen, Rogic was a magician, wasn't he? I mean, he, he could make things happen. But I think I think O'Reilly has got the potential to do that too. He's only what twenty two. Um, I think Brendan Rodgers sees him as his next big project player. I think he, he has thrown a lot of time and effort into, into developing O'Reilly. And O'Reilly, speaking to him, he's loving it. I mean, he's... He, I'd, listen, I know there was a bit made of it in the summer, about the kind of slightly kind of <laughs> barbed comments towards uh, Ange Postacoglu from O'Reilly. He's a very honest guy. Um, I don't think he was... I don't think it was a slight on the former boss. I think he just likes the, the style that Rodgers brings to the management as opposed to the, the manager previously. I think I think he found Big Ange's kind of standoffish kind of um, stance a wee bit kind of uh, not to his liking, whereas Rodgers is hands-on. He's working with him really closely, and I think he's lapping it up. And he, I think you're seeing it on the pitch as well. Listen, he's been quality since he signed. I mean, from the minute he came into Parkhead, he's been brilliant, mm-hmm. uh, Matt O'Reilly. Last season, maybe a wee slight dip. I mean, listen, he covered for, for Cal McGregor for, for three or four months when he's injured a deeper role. And then when, he, when McGregor came back, Aaron Moy had taken his position further up the pitch and he kind of stayed there, didn't he, up until the end of the season. So he kind of lost his, his position a wee bit for a while. Um, we look at him this season, he's come back. I mean, he's already scored five goals this season. He scored four of all, all last season. He scored five already this season, but only in the start of October. So he's added goals to his game. He's bringing that bit of magic. And I think that the manager loves him. He's enjoying the relationship with his, with his gaffer. And I think the sky's the limit for him. I think he is the guy who's going to be the main man for the next... Uh, short to medium term and longer term, he's going to make Celtic an absolute fortune, and uh, that's that's what I can see because he's got the he's got that that kind of rugged style of uh, it looks a bit languid at times, but great feet, quick feet, vision, and now he's adding goals. Uh, I think he will be um, a major player for Celtic and a major uh, asset going forward. Can he make a bolt of lightning come out the sky when he scores a last minute Scottish Cup final winner, though, Mick? That's the challenge, isn't it? That was um, you've seen a few clips recently with, with Rogic retiring, um, but that's what he, Rogic could do. That. Rogic could pull out magic, couldn't he? Ah, it's, it's so early to go early these Aussies, eh? On the back was Arn Moy thirty-two when he hung up the boots in the summer, mm-hmm. and then Tom mm-hmm. Rogic at thirty. It's a shame, like if you like, I'd like to think he'd have another four or five years left in his legs, but. <laughs> Tom Rogic is a is one of the most enigmatic players I think I've ever ever dealt with. Uh, in this game, uh, almost like a reluctant footballer, I always think that Rogic he, he seemed to be kind of. Um, it wasn't really for him. <laughs> Same about Aaron Moy was similar as well. It was almost like it was in spite of things. But last um, night he put, out, he mentioned that it's a personal thing with his family and all that stuff. He wants to concentrate on that. And fair play to him. Last night, but we'd all like to have that luxury. We just pack in our work and look after the family. Um, Major, I'd pack it and maybe go play golf. To be honest with you, <laughs> but. Um, but uh, um, aye, it's a shame. Only thirty years old, as well, I must admit. I thought uh, I thought Rogic should have had. Um, I thought he'd be one of these guys like 
that kind of plane he's like 35 36 strolling about with that that wonderful left peg um he didn't never lie his pace obviously um yeah. But, um, but you look at, I see, looking back to Matt Ray, look at, look at, he's got the engine. I mean, Rogic, that was always the thing he didn't have. He didn't have an engine. Yeah. I mean, an hour, you get an hour out of Tom Rogic, that'd be you. Uh, the, the irony of scoring a, a last minute goal in the cup final is that I, I was majorly surprised to still see him there on the pitch at that point in time. Because um, most games they started, never saw the final whistle. Um, it just it just never happened. I mean, I think he I think finished about four games for Celtic in 10 years. Um, but you look at Riley; he has got that, that engine and the fitness, and he's uh, and he's clearly got a manager who's going to try and polish him into something special. But so he could be, maybe not quite. Matt. I said August was something special, wasn't he? But uh... Survivor Forty Six is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season: the winner of Survivor Forty Five, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. He might not be far off. Mac, you mentioned that O'Reilly, um, it looks like he could make Celtic an absolute fortune when he, you know, from when, you know, sad fact of life, he does move on. I know what Mac's going to say to this, Fraser, so I'll, I'll put it to you, right? Oh, <laughs> um, <laughs> no, because I said something similar during the summer and your eyes... It's so predictable, me. Mick. <laughs> no, I mean, I've got to say the opposite. What is it? This sounds, no, like, this sounds like a challenge to me here. <laughs> <laughs> no, basically, you know, we, according to reports, Leeds United, you know, we're in for um, O'Reilly at the back end of the transfer window. There was a rumoured amount of 10 million. See if and when clubs come from in January or next summer. The money is that mental now. The money is that obscene, particularly in England. I would, if I was Celtic, I would plenty of that. I get that what's well, 25 million is the record. I would honestly start at like 30 million. Because I know, I know it sounds mad saying that, but the money is just so obscene now. 30 million is nothing to these clubs. It's. It's so difficult now, isn't it? Put a price in different markets, what league are they playing in? Thankfully, the answer to that question is always it's only worth what somebody's willing to pay. Uh, if you're going comparatively, who's, it, who, who's the last big money player to leave Scottish football? Um, no, Otter, 25 million. Ah, it's hard to. Calvin Bassey, 20 odd million. Tierney, 25. Yeah, but. Is it really going to go to Saudi Arabia where it's just ridiculous, stupid monopoly money? Um, well, you're looking at your likes of your, your Chris Ayers and all that stuff, it's what, 14, 15 million. Well, Edwards, I, million. I totally uh, agree with you, He's a special, special player. I, I, I would expect him to be worth 12, 15 million, certainly. Uh, I would be looking for upwards of 10 million, considering he's under contract for another four years or whatever. Um if that answers your question. Uh, but it is only whatever somebody's willing to pay. I could see him as a Premier League player, though. He's got everything. Aye. Aye he's a cracking player. Um, I mentioned... Ask, go ask Mick. <laughs> well, aye, Mick, would, I mean, do you think that's outlandish saying, look, start at 30 million? And again, I'm coming from the point of view... I mean, looked at Chelsea last night. A billion pound team. I mean, a billion pounds has been spent on that team and they're, what, three, four players shot? I just think 30 million to these clubs, I think most, if they really want them, they pay it. 
Well, listen, the, the key is perform well in the Champions League. Get yourself in that Denmark international team. Become a, a, a fixture in the Denmark team. Because uh, if he's performing for Celtic in Europe and through his national side, then yes, you can start thinking then upwards of 20 million quid. Until then, it's a bit of a struggle, I think, to talk about that kind of money. Um, but that's, that's fair, eh? Yeah. So if he, if he comes out, if he gets in that Danish side and gets seven, eight, nine, ten caps in the next kind of 18 months, and he's had a couple of great performances in the Champions League, then yeah, stick a zero on whatever you want. I mean, it's, it's, um, I still think Celtic will make good money on him. He's signed for 1.5 million. That's, that's um, bad. They'll make they'll make at least ten times that. That's 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 what I'm saying. Um, that's that's the model in action. Hold on, what's that? What's ten times that? Check my calculator. I'm not great at maths. <laughs> Before I start throwing your figures around, twelve yeah. million. Yeah, <laughs> at, least, at least that. At least that. They get, they get, they get that just now. So yeah, yeah. I think I think you, you can get. You can start talking about twenty million quid and all that stuff if he starts getting capped and doing the business. In Champions League. Well, speaking of the Champions League, Celtic are back in action this week. As I say, we're recording Tuesday. First home game of the campaign against Lazio. Obviously, there's no easy games. I'm not for a minute saying it's going to be easy, but is it perhaps a decent time to be playing Lazio? There seem to be in a little bit of flux. One, two, only two of their opening seven games in Serie A. I think Maurizio Sarri is under a bit of pressure. I mean, do you think that'll count for it, Mick? Or? Hey, yeah, they're not listen, they're not coming here firing all cylinders. I mean, two wins in eight games, all competitions. Um, lost him is at Milan at the weekend. Um, you get the manager complaining about the transfers in the summer, the, the, the owner telling the manager that he sit down and shut up. Um <laughs> yeah, it, it looks like a kind of an unhappy camp. They've got a few injury concerns. I mean, they're they're not they're not looking like they're, they're particularly strong, but they're, listen, they're still a, 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 a big hitting Serie A side. And they beat Napoli away from home this season. Um, so they're, they're clearly definitely no mugs, that's for sure. Uh, they've got plenty of players that, that, that can cause damage. So it's a, it's a dangerous one for, for Celtic. Again, I think they're fortunate in that Celtic are not playing a team that are going to win the Champions League here. I mean, you look at the top seeds in the group, Feyenoord, Pot one, never going to win the Champions League this year. Not a chance. Good side, but not going to win the Champions League. Lazio, not going to win the Champions League. That's not, they don't, they won't, even they won't think that they're going to win it. Um, Atletico probably hang about to the later stages as they always do. But are they going to win it? I doubt it. Um, so it, it's tough, but it should be the kind of game where Celtic, I think, this is an opportunity to get some points. Um, I'm, not, I'm, not being that, I'm not saying that they should expect to get points against Lazio at home because it, it's not. this is not... 2004, when Celtic are probably one of the top six teams in Britain in terms of ability and wages and all this. This is this is Scotland in 2023. You're playing with a team that are that are a proper Serie A European side, so it's going to be tough. Celtic have got problems at the back, which I can't, I just can't see beyond. I think they've caused actual problems. I think that the attack can give them grief. I don't. I mean. I still think they're, they're lacking in the, the kind of wide areas um, in terms of look at Jota leaving, um, but I think Kyogo uh, made us work rate and all that stuff, and I think um, O'Reilly and Attaki coming from middle part. I think they will cause problems and, and create chances. I just worry about the back. 
Um, as I mentioned, Phillips, not a lot of football um, being played. Liam Scales, I think, has been terrific um, since he came in. Another decent game on Saturday, although the goal, a, a wee bit of a, a, a wonder at the, the Motherwell goal. Uh, but he's been he's been terrific. Listen, a guy who's maybe not expected to play that many games at this level, he's been done. He's done. A, he stepped in and a good job. Um, that, that, listen, that's just where the fear is. Can, can Celtic keep a clean sheet? That's the big question. Mm-hmm. I don't see how they do, which means they're going to need to score two or three. Can they score two or three? Yes, that's what's interesting. If this is a basketball match and it goes two, one, three, two, I, I can see that happening as well. So it's an opportunity, but it could be a wild night. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. And Fraser, I think Kyogo will finally, finally take his first Champions League goal tomorrow night. Um, but do you hold out much hope for Celtic? Aye, I do. Because going back to the original point, I think this, if you're going to meet Lazio, this is the time to do it. Uh, and with Mick, definitely, there's going to be goals at both ends. I think Lazio are struggling to keep clean sheets as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but we believe like Scotland in their uh, Euro qualifying group. If you're going to, if you're going to grab one of the top two spots, you need to take out a big gun. And Lazio right now, perhaps the biggest gun in that group. I don't know, but uh, this is the time to do it because they look like they're under a bit of pressure, and the manager certainly sounds like he's under a bit of pressure. Blaming everybody. Seems like a man that's kind of smashed a hundred mirrors and walked under a ladder. Um, but if he's complaining about injuries and the, the fixture list, then Celtic have got it just as bad. So, no, it's game on. Um, Celtic's big players turn up on the night, then hopefully they'll end that 10 year wait for a, a home win in the Champions League, if I'm not wrong in saying. Yeah. I think it was Ajax in 2013 now, which is, which is a mad start. But what's the other even madder stat that um, the online team have come up with this morning? This this match day two, uh, Celtic match day two. Um, if, if the game was match day two, they'd be flying in the Champions League. They've only they've only lost three of eleven match day two fixtures, um, which is really impressive. And in that includes one 0 one over Porto, two 0 over Leon, one 0 over Copenhagen, two one against AC Milan, three two against Spartak Moscow. 3-0 against Anderlecht, 3-3 with Man City. So, I mean, I know it won't count for much tomorrow night. Or anything. It's not counted for anything in the last 13 <laughs> years or whatever, is it? But 11 years, sorry, 11 years since they last qualified. But still, nice start. They need to get some of these stats away off their... I mean, we've seen it after the last game. They're saying, oh, one of the teammates played 50 games in Europe, the lowest, lowest win percentage. Oh, that's nonsense, right? Celtic's record in terms of is pretty abysmal for a long time. They need to address that. It needs to be at some point. They need to pull up a biggie, um, and th- this would be a big one. Um, but again, if they had a full team out, if they had Cameron Carter Vickers in there, um, maybe maybe an Rocky alongside them, a fully fit and firing Hatati, that that would provide more confidence, I think, for this kind of game. But at the moment the way it's going defensively, I think they've got. It's just likewise happened in Holland, didn't it? They played quite well. But they were just undone by wee moments, just wee moments of indiscipline and, and um, 
this organisation it cost them. They're going to need to be on it for 90 minutes plus in this game. And if they, if they are, I mean, it might be. I mean, we saw Celtic beating Lazio a couple of years ago in the Europa League. I think Lazio were maybe even stronger at that point. Yeah, yeah. Celtic went definitely as well. They had to ride it at times, ride it out, and then they caught, they caught them twice with last-minute goals in Glasgow and in, in Rome. I mean, incredible results, really, home and away, beating Lazio home and away. Uh, so they showed it can be done. The worry is that some of those guys are still there from Lazio, so they might remember it. That's maybe going to fire them up a wee bit as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but remember that night at Parkhead, I mean, Fizzer Foster had a couple of, I mean, absolutely unbelievable saves. One in particular, I think, was absolutely sensational. From a volley, remember the, the save we made from the volley? Yeah, I remember the noise it made. It was it was mad. Oh. It was... I mean, it's, it's you right you take your arm off that, that volley. Brilliant. What was the nickname they came up with him after that? The Grand Murala or something? Well, that was that another Barcelona? That was in Barcelona. Yeah. Called him the Great Wall. No, there was another nickname after that one, but I just said it that bit out. Um, the big, <laughs> big, big Johnny Sonso or something like that. <laughs> 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 but Celtic are going to need something like that again. They're going to need the defence to be heroic, the goalkeeper to pull off some saves, and then take the chances when they come at the other end. Aye. The big players stood up in those two games, and that's exactly what needs to happen. And as Mick says, the, the, the fine margins, the small details that turn into really important details, you have to get right. Starting with keeping 11 men on the park. But no, I do I do fancy them. I, I fancy them maybe as a, a 2-1 or a 3-2 um, to get this Champions League group off and running. 2-1 Celtic. Hugo for scorer. There you go, 50p in that. I don't know what odds it is, but it's got to be worth 50p. Um <laughs> I think <laughs> I think best to finish this week, guys, just a couple of minutes on the goings-on across Glasgow. I know this isn't the Rangers podcast, obviously, um, but I think looking at it from a Celtic point of view, Michael Beale's doomed spell at Rangers. I mean, Mick, it kind of, to me, the thing I took from it was Celtic went out and got a proven manager and they, they had to pay well for a proven manager in Rodgers, but it, it just shows you get you get what you pay for. You know, Michael Beale, I think he managed 19 games before he came to Rangers, and ultimately, it's kind of shown. Well, we've all been kind of writing about and talking about the Celtics' need for a marquee signing in the summer. It turns out they did get a marquee signing in the summer, and it was the manager. I mean, it's, they got they went and got us a box office manager with seven, nearly 700 games under his belt as a manager. He's only 50 years old, he's nearly 700 games. In contrast, of course, City, the Michael Beale had, what, 22 as a manager? Um, it's almost not a fair fight, really. Um, so I'm not that surprised. And yet, listen, we know how, how Glasgow works. You very rarely, or if ever, have both sides gone through quite a nice time at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, usually, it's it's one is if one is doing well, the other one is feeling the brunt of it. And that's just the nature of the beast in this city. If, if one's up, the other's down. That's the yin and yang of uh, of old firm life. Um, so with, with Celtic getting results, albeit not not particularly impressively uh, yet, but getting results, going to Ibrox and winning with a kind of makeshift defence, pulling out results like that one at the weekend. Every time Celtic do things like that, it puts pressure on the other side. And unfortunately, when you get an inexperienced manager and the pressure getting turned up on them from within and from external um, sources, i.e. Celtic, it's a it's a horrible combination to deal with, and I, I'm not surprised that eventually it's been that the, the Rangers managers end up with the with the pants and head on the head with the pencil up the nose. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, it, it sends. Listen, we've seen it sending experienced managers around the bend in this city, 
Um, so it was incredible difficult for him to deal with. But Celtic have, have compounded his problems by getting results when they're not been playing that well. Um, one of the Ibrox was was the, was a big one because I think Rangers saw that as an opportunity to to really put down a marker and, and get a better Celtic team. It hadn't started that great. Had injury problems, obviously. The new signings hadn't really come in uh, and done that well. So that was a big the door was open for Rangers at that game, and it, it didn't get the job done. So after that point, I think he was in big bother because mm-hmm. he can't he can't lose all fun games. I mean, he lost. Three out of, was it three out of four last season? He, Two, he, won, he won only one of six. One of six. He, no manager in Glasgow survives that that record. You have to get the better of your of your nearest and dearest in this city, and he didn't do that. Um, so once he lost that game at Ibrox, I think the writing was in the wall. European exit, obviously, that seriously damaging the manner of it, and then domestically slipping up. Um, it's been fatal. So uh, I'm not surprised that if. If one team is is shown a flexing and being dominant, the other one's going to going to suffer, and that means the manager pays a price. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles; we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at marines.com. Could you could you really was it palpable at Ibrooks on, on uh, at the weekend, Fraser? I mean toxic. you could feel what was coming. Yeah, it was toxic. I mean, through the moment. Rangers actually had four good chances to go ahead. And then Aberdeen did streak ahead in the 30th minute with a first effort and goal. And from that moment onwards, I mean, actually the half-time booing was was way beyond what came at full-time because half the ground had emptied. Um, but those that had been at the old firm game a month ago said Saturday was even more toxic, even more brutal towards Bill than after the Celtic game. And that's saying something. Um, and then afterwards, I mean, it was about an hour before Michael Bill came in to speak to the media, uh, the, the press afterwards and, then you're thinking, guys, something's something's not right here. And he could he was a broken man, you could tell. Uh, he knew what was inevitable. Um and it's all it's all Rangers own doing. It's all you could say it's all Michael Beale's own doing over the last few weeks because it comes down to his signings and they've been pretty woeful. Um mm-hmm. don't put too strong a word on it. They've, they've just not delivered. And the gulf between them and the champion Celtic seems to be bigger than it has been for, for a good few years. Um, so if Rangers are looking for a new manager bounce, I think it's going to take a trampoline to kind of get a, to, to, to cut that gap. Um, and that's it. So all Celtic can do now is not pay any attention to it whatsoever, not let complacency creep in. Uh, the worst thing they could do is, is keep their eye on what's going on across the city. They just need to keep, keep um, foraging ahead. Um, as Michael says, there's only an upward trajectory with Celtic right now, and when the big players start hitting form, then the league will take care of itself. Absolutely. Um, yes, yeah, this, this is the problem that Rangers are going to have. I mean, they're, they're, you know, people are talking about recruitment now. They need to recruit a manager. They need to recruit a manager that, that's going to have, be able to take on Brendan Rodgers, and that's that's not going to be easy. That's what I'm saying. That's a guy with over 500 games managed in the English Premier League. Do you know what I mean it's it's um 
it's a serious operator who knows what he's doing. There's no, I mean, there's no panic. Very rarely any panic. Even his team aren't particularly well. Even if they lose, he doesn't panic. It's all before. Um, he also inherited a right good squad of players, Mick, which this next Rangers manager, oh dear. Oh dear. I mean, well, this is the problem. I mean, the, the signings didn't look particularly great in the summer. Um, so the new guy came around and he's got to get a tune out of these guys and keep them. I mean, listen, it's only October. I still, uh, the league, league Cup's there to be won. Um, the league is still very much alive. I mean, Rangers last year, I thought it was weird how Rangers kind of wrote last season off when Van Bronckhorst left. It was almost kind of given to, to, to Michael Beale with a kind of proviso. Just get to the summer and you can you can do your rebuild and we'll start again. They kind of there's still competitions to be won last year and they kind of I'm not saying they wrote it off, but it wasn't far off it. They kind of do that again in October. I mean, I mean it's a long, long, long way to go. Celtic are not see they're not up to speed as yet. You got to think they're going to get better, but um, they, you think they try and get somebody in that can actually make, make a fist of it. I mean, if the competitions are there, they won still. Um, and then do they, do they bring in or hold fire to the summer? Then they have another rebuild in the summer. I mean, it's um, the, the Rangers are tapping on a, a, a difficult cycle just now. Um, Celtic, I think, should be in a position to capitalise. Uh, I still, I still think Celtic, for all they're dominating just now and they're playing in the league, I still think they missed a chance in the summer to go and really tool up for for Europe. I think they've left themselves short, so they can look across the city and think, oh, it's all easy, and they can stay one step ahead of Rangers. With the bare minimum, I think I think they took the eye off the ball in Europe. I see it in this podcast every week. I still think they've, they've sold themselves short in terms of Champions League. So I don't think Celtic. Listen, we're we're feeling the trap. We're talking about Rangers here. Celtic should forget about Rangers and concentrate on themselves and make themselves better on a European stage. We'll find out this week again where they are this campaign. But Celtic can't afford another summer like last summer. The nine signings, none of them have really threatened to look like first team regulars as yet. They need to concentrate on putting their foot down at home and getting themselves ready for, for Europe either this year or, or beyond. That's they need to be look beyond just being a bit better than Rangers. I think that's the perfect note to end on, guys. Um, thank you very much if you're listening at home for tuning into the Record Celtic podcast. Uh, Mac Fraser, it's always a pleasure. I'm glad to hear it. Cheers. No worries, guys. And we'll be back next week. Cheers, guys. Bye.